0: Good morning. The Bible reading is from John eighteen thirty three to 37. Pilate then went back inside the palace and summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked. Or... Did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact... For this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, Helen your favourite king I don't know if you have a favourite king could be Henry VIII with all of his furs and his tights Uh, I don't know could be a Disney king maybe Uh, could be maybe thinking of the last king that we had here uh, in this country, George VI you might picture him and his wife picking over the rubble in the east end of London during the war well if today is about Christ the King, then I think you can guess which kind of king is more likely to be relevant here. But we're going to look at this reading to start with and work out what this has to do with the theme of Christ the King. So to set the scene of this passage, Jesus has been arrested by the chief priests and he's been brought to Pilate, the Roman governor. The religious leaders, they want ...to get Jesus executed... ...because he is challenging the very root of their world. He's claiming to be God, the Messiah. They've all been waiting for this person... ...but it can't be him, right? Because he's opposing them and criticising them... ...so therefore he must be evil. But they don't have the power to put him to death... ...because they're an oppressed people... ...they are being ruled by the Roman Empire. So they have to convince Pilate that he's broken some kind of law for the Roman authorities so they choose a political charge against Jesus which is that he claims to be the king of the Jews in other words he's opposing Rome and committing treason at that time the Roman emperor was seen as such an elevated being that they were almost a god and you were supposed to see them and call them the king of kings and lord of lords. Does that sound familiar? Especially this time of year. And in verse 19, if you read ahead, it says, anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar, say the religious leaders. So they are trying to hammer it home. You've got to execute this guy because he's a political traitor. Pilate, however, is not really convinced. Jesus does not look like a would-be king. So he says to him, are you the king of the Jews? Pilate thinks this is all about political kingdoms. So when Jesus then talks about the kingdom, Pilate's confused. Oh, you do claim to be a king then, he says. But what Jesus had actually said was, my kingdom is not of this world. Now, I wonder what you take that to mean. Does that mean that God's kingdom is somewhere separate from here? Is it a faraway place, a fluffy cloud that we're going to go to one day? Well, first of all, I want to reassure you that we can be certain that Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And then I want to think, what difference does it make to us today? So we're going to go on a whistle-stop tour through the Bible. So buckle your seatbelts. This is going to take about two minutes to just explain... The whole of the Bible, in a few short sentences, to find out how and why Jesus is King. In the beginning, we're going to start right at the beginning. We know that Jesus, the Word, was there in creation. If you look at Genesis, and Paul sums it up, luckily, in Colossians, verse uh, chapter one, verse fifteen, he says, "The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation." For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him." So for a time, the Lord ruled the people directly as their king through Moses. But the people wanted to be like other nations with a human king, with armies and palaces and stuff. So in the end, God agreed to give them a king. The best of the kings that they had was David. But even in the time of David, there was an understanding that there would be an even greater king to come, an eternal king, the Messiah. Well, the kingdom of Israel split. Things fell apart. Foreign armies invaded. People go into exile. They long and wait for a king to rescue them. Jesus is born, showing through many prophecies that he is the one, the true king. He teaches about the kingdom of his father, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Not a physical authority, but a spiritual one. But only a few people recognize him. He's crucified. Then at Pentecost, the disciples are filled with the king's power at Pentecost with the Holy Spirit. And they and their followers spread his kingdom over the whole world. We're part of that kingdom. In the end, Jesus will return as king And we heard about that last week in Nigel's sermon, about Christ coming again to claim his kingdom one day. We'll be ruled by the perfect king, king of kings and lord of lords, and we'll be his co-heirs, princes and princesses with him. Wonderful, that is the gospel in the Bible. But what difference does it make to me today? Or maybe even more important, what difference does it make to me tomorrow? maybe at 11 o'clock tomorrow, or perhaps crunch time for you is 8 o'clock in the morning on a Monday morning. If God's kingdom is already here, and Jesus's kingship is to be celebrated here and now, what difference does it make? I mean, I'm gonna look at that now. The first way is that because Christ is king, we have the king's authority. We have the authority of the king. Now in the old days, the king used to have a seal that he would pass to his special advisors and friends and they would be able to stamp documents with that seal bearing the king's crest and everybody would know that that law had come from the king or that instruction came from the king. They carried literally the king's authority in their saddlebags. What about Christ the king? Well, Jesus told his followers that they, and we, not only would be given authority to do what he did, we'd be given the power to do even greater things, carrying the seal with us, which in our case is the Holy Spirit. So John, uh, uh, Jesus in John 14:12 says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they'll do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. What an incredible thing to think about, that we will do things even greater than Jesus did because we have the King's authority. Now sometimes God calls us to be mouthpieces for truth and justice And when we do so, we don't need to worry because it's not our responsibility, it's God's authority. So we can be freed in many areas of our lives from being really focused on results and then judging ourselves a failure if we don't achieve. We tend to always judge everything by the outcome, but that's not how God works. We've handed over that responsibility to the king and the more we hand our lives over, the more we don't need to worry because it's all in the King's hands. That also means that we only have an audience of one to please. And uh, I had a, an email conversation with Deb Turpin earlier in the week. Deb is a member of our congregation and she works at what used to be called Crisis Centre Ministries, now called In Hope down in Eastern. And she said, at work, I'm reminded of the verse in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men. She says, this helps me to remain focused on my work and to do a good job. So Deb has recognized that her true boss, her real line manager is Jesus. So she aims to please an audience of one. And that takes the pressure off constantly wondering if you're impressing the right people. Uh, my husband Chris had a friend who was an accountant called Andrew and in his firm Andrew's boss started to ask him and the other workers there to do things that were illegal and immoral in order to cut corners and to make more money Andrew said no and he was sacked but the other employees expressed how grateful they were that he'd made a stand And how they had all now decided that they were going to collectively say no to force the boss's hand which they did and those bad practices were dropped. Andrew went to set up his own business and was very successful. That's a, a very beautiful example of leading by example because you're the king's representative and you have the king's authority. So I wonder Is there any area of your life that you're being called to take a stand over? For those at work, it might be perhaps standing against the culture of presenteeism. That feeling that you've just got to be there all day, every day, until later and later in the evening, just for the sake of looking keen. Or maybe for those with young children, it's um, engaging in that arms race of uh, ever more elaborate birthday parties for children. Or maybe it's just the atmosphere you have in your friendship group where everybody moans about everything without actually taking any action. I don't know. Maybe if you look back on your life, those who are retired, think back to your working life. Maybe there were times in the past where you had to stand up for things that you felt were right and it may have been difficult for you. Um, If that's you, why don't you tell me about it afterwards? I'd love to hear. So we have the King's authority. Now, just a little caveat at this point there could be a danger of thinking that because we're on the side of the king, then everything that I think and do must be right, because I've got the king's authority. But you could see the danger of that, can't you? Because we don't all agree with each other. We can't all be right. God can't be saying different things to different people. So it must be that we don't hear God's word perfectly, that our motivations and our desires and prejudices, they they block our judgment and help us to, or prevent us from hearing God clearly. So just to be aware of that, that we have got the king's authority, but um, we need to exercise that with humility. We need to keep asking, keep listening, and keep um, being accountable to each other. That's why we have a church family together. So the king's authority. Secondly, we have the king's protection. The king protects his subjects. Because if anyone lays a finger on them, you'll have the king to answer to. And I wonder what this means for us today. I think that some of you may have to go into quite unsafe situations. For some of you, going out at night feels unsafe. Some of you have to drive early in the morning when you're tired. Some of you have to visit clients in their homes in unknown situations. Or perhaps there's someone who is afraid in their own home. Or somebody who may may feel unsafe in their own head. Last week, in that video about Meryn the taxi driver, she prayed for protection in her cab. We can pray for protection over anything that we feel is unsafe. We can pray for protection at crunch times in our day or in our week, where we know we're more tempted with something like porn or drinking if we have a problem with drinking. But also, we don't have to just pray, we can also seek help because the Lord can protect us through the help of others. We can think of that passage in Ephesians 6, where you put on the armour of God. Look, look that up if you're not sure about it. It describes putting on the helmet of salvation and all of the different parts of the armour that make us know that we are protected by God. Uh, Deb Turpin again, she says, knowing that Jesus is King and Lord of all gives me a sense of peace. It's not all on me. I feel supported in everything I do and that helps to re- make me remain sane. So we've got the king's authority, we've got the king's protection, and also, thirdly, we're gonna carry out the king's rule. A king has loyal subjects who perpetuate his values and create the culture that he wants his kingdom to have. And a political king will do that through laws and punishments. But what about Christ the king, how does he do it? Well, Jesus rules through us, as we know. But his laws are different. The Sermon on the Mount Values that show us how to live humbly, how to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, how to love our neighbour as ourselves. What's the culture he wants us to create? Well, that can be found in the fruits of the Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Now, Christ the King, because he's all powerful, he could carry out his reign directly, couldn't he? Wherever he wanted. And he does that, he answers prayer, he does miraculous signs. But usually he chooses to deliver his culture to the world through us, our thoughts and words and prayers and actions. We further the kingdom, we spread the culture. So thinking about these six M's, the six M people that you saw on the video, molding culture is one of my favorites. I wonder how you might mold the culture around you It could be that you help somebody to see things through a different lens that helps them to understand better. You might widen somebody's horizons, somebody who's got very closed in and can't see the wood for the trees. Your job may be to gently redirect the ship, whatever that ship is, your family or your firm or whatever, away from harmful things towards healthy ones. You might unlock someone's potential, that might be where your gifts lie helping people to, feel, to flourish and feel valued. And this is all because Christ is king and we are his subjects and we're carrying out the work of his kingdom. But we work through his strength, thankfully, not through our own strength. And again, if you're retired, look back into your working life and think how you perhaps carried out some of those things. Uh, back to what Deb wrote. She said, generally, I found that giving people space for prayer, listening well to others, Being kind and helpful has helped build good relationships, which gives me contentment. Even when I have difficulties at work with colleagues and clients, I continue to pray for them. And I've usually found that our relationship improves and my perspective has been changed for the better. Prayer, listening, kindness makes a difference, doesn't it? Think again of Meryn the taxi driver in the video that we watched last week. Her cab became a little outpost of the kingdom where she and God made the rules together. You can do the same in your home, in your car, in your WhatsApp group, in your team, your club, your conversation. Each of those can be a little outpost of the kingdom. So to wrap up, Jesus told Pilate in that reading, that my kingdom is not of this world. It may not be of this world, but it's very much in this world as well, not just for the next world. So let's enjoy it now. Christ is King, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. One day, everybody will acknowledge that when he returns. But in the meantime, that kingdom is not fully realized. It's not yet. The kingdom is often unseen. But it is very pervasive. It's very attractive to people. It's very indestructible. And one day it will be fully realized. So let's work together for that secret kingdom. Every day working steadily and often unseen, but knowing that we have the king to relate to and to be pleased with us. And I think we need some more co workers, don't we? Who will spread the kingdom with us. So let's recruit some new workers to spread the kingdom with us. Let's pray. King Jesus, we thank you for choosing us to spread your kingdom in the here and now and we pray that you would strengthen us as we await your return. Amen.